Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors. My name is Bo Matthews, alongside Mark Cox and Carl Middleman. Hi. This is the show that's going to talk a lot about the outdoors. We're going to talk weather. We're going to talk leaves. We've got experts on that, but we're also going to talk guns. And speaking of guns, this segment is brought to you by Razorback Armory. They are the uh, the, the go-to place for silencers. They've got a, a great way to expedite the process of getting a silencer for your firearm. They've got the silencer shop. They've got them in stock. You can check them out. Check out RazorbackArmory.com and find them in DePair. Get their address at their website. Tell them Bo sent you into Razorback Armory. Good stuff, Bo Matthews. We appreciate it. Yeah, I love that Rush song. It's just so much packed into it, right? Talking about yeah. uh, society in general and um a lot, lot to unfold there for sure. You know, this this uh, past week in St. Louis, we had that terrible tragedy at the uh, Performing Arts uh, uh, Academy, the the Magnet School in the city, and it's really kind of dominated the headlines. And there's no way uh, to get around the fact that it it turned political the same day it happened, and that was that saddened me so much. Uh, the same day it happened. I read the list of comments by people who immediately pivoted to gun control and it, that just, it, 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 it angers me and it, it doesn't address the problem. Bo Matthews. I think you know what I'm talking about. This is a mental health issue. By the end of the week, what we had learned was this kid was known to have mental health problems. His parents had called the, his mother at least had called the police on a number of occasions, Channel 4 ran a report on the number of times police had been to that residence. They knew he had a gun, and it was removed from the house and given to another adult member of the house. But Chief Sack admitted that that may be the same gun he ended up using in the shooting. Right, right. So there are so many questions here about why somebody with a known mental issues was allowed to continue was not committed was what was allowed to continue having a gun and i mean i, I it, it, this is a dilemma for police it's a dilemma for our society and what did the school know know about this kid he graduated there from there but they haven't opened the records up we have no idea what they knew and when they knew it well in the evidence that he left behind like the note 
it, it said so much. He was, you know, of, of being, uh, you know, no, no social life, no girlfriend ever. Um, it, it just goes to show that, you know, the, the phones that we carry around, so many people keep their nose in their phones. You know, you got perfectly good humans around you you can talk with. But when people are just so secluded, like we've been for the last couple of years, three, almost three years, uh, it, it does wear on people, but in different ways. So to the point of the parents doing what they could to prevent, you know, an issue because they were scared of that. Because I have family members that have a, a, a son that is, you know, has some is disturbed and got a lot of issues going on. They worry every single night they go to bed. And if I had to make a bet with you right now, my bet would be that they have experienced a tremendous amount of difficulty getting him the help that he needs. Absolutely. Uh, we had an experience, uh, an acquaintance that this happened to, and the problem was finding a facility that would that would if, take this person in for treatment. Um, and and getting even getting a, a a screening wasn't easy, so we've got to address these mental health issues in this country and take it seriously and figure out a way to adjudicate this quickly and get warning signs into the system. But that wouldn't even have stopped this because there's no evidence this kid got this gun legally. What might have stopped it is if the guards at the school had been armed and and kudos. To Kevin Colleen, reporter down the hall here at KMOX. You may be listening to to Second Amendment Radio in the Great Outdoors on KMOX this weekend. Kevin Colleen went to the news conference this week, and he's the only one willing to ask those hard questions. Let's listen to yep, him, Carl. I love that guy. But DeAndre, the first officer who encountered the intruder, was that an officer who was not armed? He was not on, sir. And, if, and maybe this is a question for the Board of Education, too. Is this something that you'll be reviewing going forward? whether the inside the school officers could make a difference in a day like yesterday if they had a gun to stop an intruder. Yeah, the security the security chief, take note, would not answer that question. The school board president uh, came up and gave a very political answer. And his political answer was, well, we have debates every day about uh, uh, having guns in the school, even on guards, because it might make some kids uncomfortable. And my point to them, uh, Bo, is what would make them more uncomfortable? Having a good guy with a gun in the school right, or a bad guy with a gun in camouflage and tack gear coming through the front door shooting at them? What th- this, this is not something that should be left up to the students. This is when the adults in the room have to stand up and say, Wait a minute. We had seven security people in the building. They, they they did all they could do. They set off the intruder alarm. They made sure the doors were locked. But at the end of the day, the guy gained access anyway and shot up the school. If those seven officers had been armed, he would have met resistance before he ever got in the door. Absolutely. And Absolutely. that didn't happen. And the school board will not even consider it because of the politics in the St. Louis City Schools. In St. Charles, they have an armed police officer in every school building and that makes sense because sure. of the of the environment that we're in after you hear about stores out of uvalde or wherever it, it's frightening to know that that could be a possibility um but this just also proves that you can't stop anybody from getting a weapon now if this kid didn't have an access to a gun what would he have done with a, a knife or a sword or something like that because that's that's issues in like europe 
Um, but I, I think the, the mental illness thing, again, kudos to his parents for really trying to do the right thing. Uh, just It just wasn't enough. And hats off to uh, the police department for getting there so quickly. But you know what? Like you just said, it could have ended even sooner had there been a good guy with a gun uh, because it's just something you don't expect. However, the other interesting thing is, and I didn't have to grow up in the era of doing uh, live shooter drills in schools. We did, right. you know, we did earthquakes. We did, you know, floods, uh, tornado warning uh, drills. But to, to think that your kids now have to go through active shooter drills uh, is frightening. And and I saw, you know, we all watched a bunch of the footage of it because it was right here in St. Louis uh, that, uh, what was it, Miles Davis is in the building? That was their their code to I the did. students? I did hear that. And, and I thought, well, an interesting way to alert the, the children. But even when that happens, it's like, mm, okay, I heard the tornado warning. Is it really going to hit me? And that was, that was the, the, the warning word that they used for the students. Yeah. It, it, and here's the thing. I have a lot of friends who are police officers. And what I hear is that when they responded to this school, and again, I can't say enough about the, the courage of, of the, officers who responded to this many of them did not have their full uniforms on the stories i'm hearing were that they were tripping over each other to be the first ones to get in the door to engage this guy wow uh, he had blocked he, he had killed the teacher he had already killed the student uh his gun jammed he ended up in another room the officers trapped him in that room he started firing at the door frame uh they couldn't get through the door because of he was firing at the door frame so they fired into the wall next to him he was back in a corner of a of a of a room by himself and that distracted him and when he turned around to discuss to look at the wall where the drywall was flying all over him the officers breached the room and put him down and um, I couldn't be more proud of how those officers reacted I, I just absolutely I can't say enough about them this was this was the 110 percent 180 degree opposite of Uvalde. It really was, and you know, I, I had a I had a conversation with Sheriff Marshak, and he said, uh, you know, really, when it comes down to uh, the nuts and bolts of a, of a live shooter situation, really, there's only about 20 percent of officers that will really walk into that fire, um, and so for those of you that that did walk into it and go after it. Uh, we cannot thank you enough for what you do, and you strap on that uniform every day, uh, and God forbid you have to do anything like this. My goodness, how frightening. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and then, of course, uh, through the course of the week, the, the national conversation pivoted to uh, look at the gun. They released a picture of the gun, and look at all of the ammunition. And I can't right. let this opportunity go by without making a comment on that. How much ammunition I own is nobody's business. Exactly. Um, if I own a thousand rounds, which I don't, and I routinely go to the range and shoot, I'm going to go through that in the course of a year. But if if I don't shoot that much, I may not need that many. Now, I don't know where this kid got that many rounds of ammunition, quite frankly, because it's not cheap. Uh, he had to he had to procure it somewhere. It's not cheap to get that much ammunition. But the amount of ammo he had is irrelevant to the situation they had stabbings in europe recently where uh, more people were killed than died in the school the other day now maybe that's because the gun jammed i don't know but the point of it is somebody with ill intent who's got a weapon it, it, there's no nobody's clairvoyant there's no way 
100% proof to stop that. And stopping legal gun owners from having guns certainly isn't going to stop it. And a surplus of ammo. I mean, yes. you know, uh, we had uh, Jesse on from uh, Razorback a few weeks ago talking about uh, how much ammo, you know, somebody should have. It's really a personal preference. It really is. Uh, whether it's 100 rounds, yeah. do you think that's a lot? <laughs> or is it 10,000 rounds? True. It, it all depends. It's a good point. Anyway. Hey, coming up, uh, we got Jennifer Benkin joining us. She's a forester with the Missouri Department of Conservation. She's going to tell you exactly where to go this weekend if you want to see the best, beautiful fall colors. It's all coming up on Second Amendment Radio in the Great Outdoors. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Tall, tall trees and all the waters in the seas. I'm a fool, fool, fool for 
Oh, yeah. Second Amendment Radio in the great outdoors. There's Alan Jackson. Wow, what a legend that guy is. Uh, and Tall, Tall Trees. What a great song. Uh, Mark Cox, Bo Matthews, Carl Middleman, pew, pew. our executive producer, setting things up. And uh, he got us a good guest because this is the time of the year people like to get out and go for a Sunday drive, even on a Friday afternoon or a Saturday morning or whatever. Jennifer Benkin is a community forester for the Southeast Regional Office of the Missouri Department of Conservation uh, to talk about uh, the sightseeing that we have in our beautiful region of this country. Welcome to the show, ma'am. How are you? Hi, good morning. I'm doing wonderful this morning. Thank you. So what does a community forester do? Just uh, wait to report on the leaves for us? Well, amongst many things, we do get a lot of questions from people in residential areas, whether it's a homeowner or whether it's a city leader. And so as foresters, what we do is we try to recommend um, good tree planting practices, good tree care management, trying to talk about sustainable urban canopies, um, sick tree questions, get a lot of tree health things. And as you can Uh imagine, people also have a lot of questions about some of the species we have that are turning fall colors. Yeah, it's true. You know, uh, Jennifer, Mark Cox here. Great to meet you. I uh, was just saw several people on social media, for what that's worth, particularly Facebook, commenting on how gorgeous the leaves were this year, and they all seemed surprised by it because we had had, I don't know if we were officially in a drought, but certainly we went a long time without a great deal of rain. Uh, Did that help or hurt, or what's your take on the fact that we've just had some beautiful scenery this year? Oh, absolutely. I can understand why there is some, um, there is some, uncertainty as to what the fall color forecast because it does fluctuate on some different factors when you look at the environment one of them most certainly is rainfall we want to know how healthy the trees are and the abundant amount of foliage um, because what happens is if the trees don't get enough rain then they go into dormancy a little earlier and we did have some species that really didn't have some of the exuberant fall color that we normally see Uh, some things like our cottonwoods and our sycamore trees and our silver maples are ones that just didn't have such as much of a showy color this year uh, because they just decided that they were done with the growing season and ended early however there are other species that did tend to hang on and it's also because we've also had some other weather patterns while it's been dry really the warm sunny days that we've had and the cooler nights at night are the things that really make some of the vibrancy that we see in our fall colors and we've had several weeks of that so what that does is it traps these extra sugars within the tree and so when you have those cooler nights uh, along with the different sunlight that we have with the days getting shorter, those are the things that start to prompt fall color. And so we still have other trees out there that have had really nice fall color due to having the sunny days and cooler night trend that we've had for a while. Nice. Jennifer Bankin is our guest. She's a community forester for the Southeast Regional Office of the uh, Missouri Department of Conservation on Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. You know, I always uh, recommend and I always search for myself a, a high point that I can see far because, man, when you can get a, a distance to see the colors changing, I mean, they're great in your own backyard, but if you can see a lot at one time, you can really see the palette of what the good Lord can do. And uh, so would you say, Jennifer, are we past the peak yet? I would say in some cases in the state, there is some fluctuation between a week or two, just dependent on those weather patterns and some of the tree species of different trees that we see on the landscape, as you had said. I will say that I think overall within the state trend, I think we are a week or two earlier than we normally would. Typically, we would see that peak time 
uh, right around this time or even a little prior or a little later. I would say that some are at the peak season, and you do have some places in the region that are starting to go past that peak season. And it is dependent on the tree species. You try to capture as many species as possible, the ones that are good in giving us the most fall color. Some trees have already said we're done for the year, and we also have some trees that say, well, this is the perfect time of year to to get out. So if I was going to make a recommendation for people to do and enjoy the fall colors, it would be now for the majority of us. Either we are at peak or we are starting to get past that peak season. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, Jennifer, so it's you know this show people are listening to us on a on a on a saturday or a sunday uh, of this weekend if you had to give the best advice is is there is there a region in missouri right now that's that's better that that might be peaking this weekend because you obviously know the types of trees that are giving us the the best bouquet of colors right now and where the majority of those would be located in the state of missouri what would your advice be Oh, that's a great question. We we do have different community foresters that also put in weekly fall color reports on our website. So they're the ones that give the most local updates when it comes to looking at colors statewide. I would truly say that most anywhere in the state is going to be a good time, no matter where you go at this point. Really what you're talking about is when we're going along the river bluffs and these forested hillsides and these beautiful tree landscapes, no matter if it's going to be at a state park or whether you're driving on the highway or an interstate, um, there are pretty much anywhere in the state, I think you will find a, quite an enjoyment of fall color at this time. Okay, I got a question for you. You know, in the Farmer's Almanac, they talk about the the fat on the back of a hog that predict a a hard or soft winter or whatever it is, Uh, or the persimmon, if you crack it open, you can tell, you know, if it's going to be a fork or a spoon, a lot of snow, a little snow. Uh, Do leaves changing also help us predict what the weather's going to be like or the winter's going to be like moving forward? Well, I could say whether it would be a good question. I don't necessarily think so. I think it's more of an indicator as to what kind of growing season that we've had. If we've had a lot of rain and we've had good weather where it puts on abundant foliage, um, and then when we have those seasons where if it gets really dry, like you said, the leaves tend to curl up and just kind of go into dormancy early. But as those being indicators for the next year, not to my knowledge. Wow. I I didn't know. I I assume like... uh like Bo did, that that would have uh, played some sort of a, a role in that expectation. But uh, it probably it's the weather before they change that is the greatest indicator and not what's coming down the road then, right? Well, yes. What what trees do is when they lose their leaves in the fall, what's happening is what, what a lot of our hardwood trees or deciduous trees we have here in Missouri, um, the greatest thing that they have to overcome is water loss and, and damage due to really cold temperatures. And that's why they... They shut off photosynthesis, and that's what gives us the other pigmentations that we see in leaves is because we don't have that green because they're not growing anymore. Um, But what they're also doing whenever they lose their leaves in the fall is they're setting the bud for the next growing season as well. And they stay in um, those buds have scales on them that basically protects that tree to have good leaves and uh, a good situation to be able to grow and thrive in the springtime and next growing season. So yeah. it's, just, it's part of a trees and a plant's process. And, and here's what I know, and even my neighbor commented on this this year. I have this massive oak tree in my backyard. Um, I've lived in this house for 22 years. I don't remember 
a, a season since I've lived there where I've had more acorns from that tree than I did this yeah. year. And now, is yep. that is that any indication of anything um, in, in terms of too much water, not enough water, maturity of the tree? I mean, this, the tree is old. I know that. Yeah, and so it also depends if it's a red oak or a white oak. I would say a lot of the white oak species that I've seen this year have had a really abundant A crop. I've seen a lot of acorns on the ground, and white oaks produce acorns every single year, and red oaks actually produce acorns every other year. So it's only every two years you put a bumper crop on. So sometimes that makes a difference for how many acorns you're seeing on the ground, as an example. Interesting. Uh, You are right in saying that sometimes a maturity does play a role in it. Sometimes when trees get um, to that point of being over mature they just don't produce as much very well sometimes it is saying that it's had a good growing season and it's had a lot of good set and resources to be able to produce a bumper crop over the year every once in a while if you do have a tree that's starting to get towards the end of its life sometimes it'll put on a mass amount of acorns or fruits um, simply to try to propagate itself if it's towards the end of its life but that is by no means not an indicator necessarily that that particular tree is on the decline that's going to cost me a, a lot of money if that happens <laughs> yeah I, I hope that wasn't what it was an indication of but anyway no probably not if you have a healthy tree if, it, if you don't see any decline or if you don't see any you know sawdust or weeping or branch dieback or anything along those lines it just might say that it was just a really good bumper crop of acorns this year well from the missouri department of conservation jennifer bank and this has got to be a dream job for you uh at what at what point did you get involved in forestry in your life so so growing up i'm um I'm from agricultural country in Illinois, and I spent a lot of time playing in the outdoors and had a really deep appreciation for trees and wanted to see what I could do with that in my future. And I'm continuing to do that. I play with trees. I cut trees down uh, and everything else that has with forestry. And I'm actually going to go plant some trees at a school this afternoon. So I just enjoy every part of it. Nice. Well, you're certainly knowledgeable about it, and we've enjoyed uh, talking to you about it. Jennifer Bankin, uh, Community Forest there with the Missouri Department of Forestry, I should say, with the Missouri Department of conservation have a great day thank you thank you thank you very much you bet yeah uh, uh, nice to get her on here and you know i was i was asking a personal question there about that oak tree i'm guessing <laughs> you gotta call hansons a, my guessing mine then is a red oak and i have never seen the number of acorns i saw this year so to the point that you, you couldn't walk outside without the risk of getting the top of your skull uh, mm-hmm. damaged by one of, by the <laughs> massive amount of acorns dropping, uh, crunching when you step out in the yard. Maybe it's get telling me that it's time. My wife actually said, "You know, you want to, you might want to move the truck because I'm hearing yep. ding, 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 all over the place yeah, all the and, time." And she actually moved it for me. So it, maybe it's funny. good. You know, uh, maybe it's good for um, deer season because <gasps> the deer like to bunch on those don't they if we only knew the weather for deer season yeah, and, and, uh, where's tim? oh i got a guy where's tim when i gotta need him yeah <laughs> just go back and listen to last week's uh, podcast right and you can hear tim chelsvik uh, talk about that yeah but i know a guy uh, that knows the weather exactly and you have his number and oh i see carl was trying to tease i was teasing there. forwarding I'm sorry you can also go to our podcast but you can if you're going to listen to the next segment <laughs> dave murray is going to be on the one and only coming out of retirement. Well, not really. No. He's not. He's like semi-retired. I he's guess. Coming <laughs> he's coming up here in just a couple minutes to talk about uh, the, the, the weather, the winter forecast, maybe the fall hunting forecast, if that's what uh, you're interested in. We'll get to uh, Chief Meteorologist Dave Murray coming up.
if your day sounds like. We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through. You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the Markable Fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. That's the part we want you to focus on for the next few minutes. The Great Outdoors. We have the one and only meteorologist Dave Murray on the phone with us and uh, thrilled to have him on the show this weekend. Dave, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We are doing just fine. Thank you. We were uh, we were thinking about you um, last week. We we were talking to somebody uh, uh, because obviously he's here here uh, in the next month. I guess actually starting this weekend. A lot of people uh, it's hunting season for them, and oh, they've yeah. been thinking yeah. about the weather. And uh, you know we got this big rain this weekend, knocked some of the leaves down, and we thought we should talk to Chief Meteorologist Dave Murray about this. Well, why not? Why not? <laughs> So what do you? So I I I know that you've uh, you've already given your big winter forecast at this point, correct? No, the winter forecast is uh, coming up on the seventeenth of November. Okay, so oh, I, wow. I I don't know. I for some reason I had assumed that the, that was already uh, uh, well. Winter, out there. winter is winter will be the December, January, February, and I always like to get through October before I really start to finish the ideas for winter. October tells us some tremendous signs in overall patterns, not okay. necessarily the day-to-day weather, but in the weather patterns that are setting up across North America, October is really, really important. Well, and yeah, so, go, go ahead, Bo. I, I was just going to say, it's kind of how difficult it is to put together your voter guide, uh, Mark, uh, <laughs> yeah. for, the, for the voters. you got to wait to a certain point, man. i got to wait till I can uh, kind of get a feel for, for what in the world is, uh, is going but, on out there. Yeah, yeah, right. sure. Does yes? Does yes mean no, or does no mean yes? <laughs> well, well in, the, in the last week, it was eighty, then forty, and yep. so the thirties in yeah. some places. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Most crazy. people had a good hard freeze uh, with that cold snap, and then we bounced. Uh, uh, yeah, we went from well below average to well above average in the course of six days, and that's not that unusual in late October. Certainly not unusual in November, and that's what we should continue to see. Obviously, the step down to cold really accelerates in the month of November, but I am anticipating more big swings in temperature. Uh, maybe not quite as severe as we saw last week, but but it's got, there's going to be some swings, of, you know, that, that whiplash as far as the weather is concerned. Go, wow, how did that happen, you know, kind of thing. 
Well, Dave Murray, we uh, we actually heat with wood at our house, and uh, last year we waited until December first to have the first fire in the fireplace. And actually, this past week I burnt two nights because it was so chilly. And uh, yeah. you know, a lot of people want to go to their thermostat, but um, you've got like like Mark Cox has some of his voters' guide uh, prepared. Do you have some things prepared yet, or are you really just holding off until November? As far as winter, um, no, I still, you know, I got three weeks or so before I have to put that together. I really put it together and and I don't like to rush it. And I, I, it's one of these things that, that, that I have a system for doing it. I have an idea of where I'm going uh, with it. And I can tell you, this is that, that folks who live in the upper Midwest, the Great Lakes, the Northeast, and probably the Ohio Valley it's going to be a brutally cold winter. Wow, now, yeah. what that does for us is that that puts us right on the edge. And that's, that's a concern uh, with it. And typically, I, I think I've told this story before, but typically with these long-range forecasts, I, uh, it will be put to bed about a week before uh, we actually release it. But and then what I do is there'll be times when I'll wake up in the middle of the night, or I'll be walking the dog. <laughs> And I'll think, uh, do I really want to go that way? Or <laughs> did I consider this or did I not consider, you know, kind of thing. And sometimes I make a switch, sometimes I don't. But there, there are little things when it comes to the long-range forecasting that it's not – just it's not cast in stone until you release it so it's just coincidence then uh, dave that the farmer's almanac comes out on november 13th oh i thought, I thought i'm the just old kidding you. I'm, I'm, ju- I'm just joking <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were waiting for resource material then no, I'm, I'm just kidding no, 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 i'm just kidding no. you. so between yeah, a lot of a lot of the farmer's almanac is based on sunspot <laughs> theory just so you know. Yeah, and yeah, that, yeah. That's not bad. <laughs> no, you have to you have to consider that. There's no question about it. So between between now and November seventeenth, like I'm thinking, um for, for in terms of people who who are wondering what the weather's going to be like for the next month. Um because I think this weekend might be youth deer hunting season, and it's already been a little bit of bow season and things like that around here. What can you just look ahead to the next month? What are you expecting between yeah, now it, and it, uh, it, then? Yeah, you know, again, the step down to cold. I do think November is going to be a wet month, which you know is not best deal for hunting, but it's a good deal for going into winter because things have been so dry, even with the rain that we've had in the last week. I, I think we'll see a, a very active storm pack path start mm. to develop across the nation, and that should should make us our rainfall a little bit above average. Would not be surprised to see. A little bit of, of light snow. I don't anticipate a lot of snow in November, but a little bit of light snow, snow flurries the last eight days of the month, something like that. And, uh, you know, temperature-wise, I think we'll have some, you know, average right now is about 63 degrees for a high temperature. So it's cooling down, and it's cooling down quickly, and, and that will be the trend in November. So there's going to be uh, some cold weather, no question about it, but I also think there could be some days in november where we're in the 70s and, and I, i'm not a hunter per se but I, I, I the way i understand i've talked to a lot of hunters they kind of like these big swings they like the cold air rushing in and uh kind of gets gets the animals moving yeah uh, I, I would agree with that uh, completely Bo, 
Yeah, I was going to ask, uh, you know, it seemed like a fairly, uh, I know it was, it was destructive, but a, a fairly quiet hurricane season for the year other than uh, Ian, which was, oh, that was horrible for so many people. Right, um, right. Wh- is, does that make your forecasting more difficult? Because, I mean, I picture, you know, cake batter being spinned up even more. Does that make a difference? Not necessarily, though. Though the hurricane season so- certainly comes into play um, with the fall forecast, but it also comes into play with the winter forecast of what's going on, I do not think the hurricane season is over yet. It has, it, you know, the season itself runs until the end of November. There are some indications come around Veterans Day that, that there could be a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico again. That, that's a long, long way off. And, uh, but there, don't think the hurricane, it has been quiet. There's no question about it. It but, seems like uh, it, yeah. Even, yeah, even in quiet seasons, you can have very destructive hurricanes and we've proven that once again but i don't think uh i don't think we've put the tropics to bed yet that's good you know i'm pretty sure and i I was looking back through it here and haven't come across it yet but i was pretty sure i saw dave you you posted something regarding hurricane season up on facebook uh, recently yes yeah dave murray's weather if anybody's interested you can go to that yeah it is still i think I think that post is still up. Oh, good. And and basically, I mean, just just to highlight that post again, your your point was, yeah, it was hurricane season. It was not a severe hurricane season by any any stretch of the imagination. But I I thought I wanted to ask you. It's pretty interesting. A lot of national pundits, not meteorologist types, but a lot of national pundits, immediately pivoted to to climate change and wanted to blame the severity of hurricane. Ian on that, I think, and and some meteorologists pushed back on that. Where, where do you stand on yep. that issue? No, I, I definitely push back on it. I mean, every every hurricane season can have a storm like Ian, and and we have to remember that the that part of Florida does not get hit very often, and the growth, the problem with jumping on you know climate change on everything. First of all, it starts to sound like you know crying wolf all the time. Uh, and but but there are definitely cycles in weather patterns, and that's what I am. I, I tend to be a cyclist when it comes comes to long term forecasting and and long term events and and which way we are headed. But the growth, the population growth in that area, the population growth is, is has just been exponentially exploding down there. So you you are going to have some tremendous damage when a storm like that comes in. And it, it was a large storm. It wasn't like, you know, Andrew was a was a Cat 5, but it was a really condensed storm system. Ian was not. It was a broad-based storm that that uh, happens. And, and, you know, anybody – and there were also a lot of people who have moved to Florida, that part of Florida, since the last major hurricane in that part of the state – and I, I do think that, that in some cases people were not as prepared as they should have been. You know, you get a little lax in, in saying, oh, well, we're never going to get hit by a hurricane. Well, you are. You're in Florida. You are at some <laughs> point going to get hit by a hurricane. Yeah, it's a good and, so, many, and so it's a cycle. I, it, it, these, these are cycles that we go through, and, uh, and we, will, we will go through – we've gone through cycles – ever since we've been forecasting weather ever, ever since there's been weather look looking back on your long your long career dave can you were you ever the guy that was sent to stand in the middle of one of those and hang on to a telephone pole as it blew through no but i i, I did uh i have flown into a hurricane 
that was during my Good Morning America years. And I have I covered Hurricane Opal, which was in the 90s down in the panhandle of Florida. Mm-hmm. Did not did not do the let's stand out and, and see if the wind can blow me away. <laughs> but it was it was more of of. The the biggest thing once you get on the ground with a hurricane like an opal or, or you know any kind of really like cat three or higher is the amount of destruction right along the coast and you can move maybe a quarter of a mile inland and the destruction is is seventy percent less than what you see yeah. on the coast. Wow. Now, Florida I always love when also, the uh, tourists are. I love when the tourists are walking behind the reporter with their shopping bags. Or that's right. Yeah, <laughs> kind of unfortunate. <laughs> are, are, are they out? You know, holding onto that phone pole and a car goes driving by. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> never fails. Or the guys in a boat. I remember the the the, the video. The guy in the, the boat NBC reporting, reporter. and then a, somebody walks by behind him with like yeah. galoshes on. It was uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. <laughs> Got, you got to be careful in those live oh, shots. Oh yes, you do. So, and remember, it's it's all on tape. Yes, everything <laughs> is recorded. Just like your mic is are always on, right, Dave? That's is right. That the rule? Yeah, you never ever forget that. <laughs> so uh, again, just to remind people, November seventeenth is when I think you told me you're gonna you're gonna bring out your full winter forecast, and you always debut that, I believe, on the Dave Glover Show. Is that correct? Right. Yes, on uh, Camo X, it'll be at four oh five in the afternoon at uh on the 17th and then shortly after that probably about 20 minutes later i posted on on my facebook page again dave murray's weather and the whole thing is there it's it's actually you know we we kind of do a condensed version on glover's show and then the full-blown uh text is there and it's usually seven eight pages long you say a dense version on the Glover show? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I use Whoa. I'm just kidding. You know that. So, oh, so, so the fat of the back of a hog. <laughs> so the fat of the back of a hog does not predict weather. The persimmon fork or spoon does not predict the weather in your forecast, no, but correct? It's always fun, but it's always fun. It's always fun to do the persimmon. It, uh, I, I have done that for years and years and years, and every year it's a spoon. Uh, <laughs> But it's, yeah, what I always warn people, people probably saying, you know, what, well, wait a minute, what's the persimmon thing? You take the seed of a persimmon. First of all, it has to be a local persimmon. If you're buying one in the grocery store, you don't know where Not it came from. Work, right. So that, that, right. Well, it will work, but it's going to maybe work where that persimmon grew. But cutting open a persimmon seed is not an easy thing to do. And, uh, <laughs> and be very, very careful. If you use a razor blade, just fair warning. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, I'll be butchering the hog on the 13th of November, so then I can share my information with you. <laughs> well, that's good. I take that in. Bo, I take that. You know, there is nothing that I don't look at uh, when it comes to, uh, to really everything. Uh, you know, I, when, when making even a short-term forecast, it's, uh, when I would drive into work, it would be, I'm looking at the clouds, I'm looking at the trees, I'm looking at right. how birds are, are reacting and things like that. And if you don't do that, then, then you're leaving a lot on the table. Yeah. Dave Murray, we love your passion for the weather of this planet and, uh, more importantly, this region. We thank you very much. We wish you a happy holidays. And uh, maybe we'll get you on in the, in the middle of winter and go, Dave, save us. Let's do it. Let's do it. Happy holidays to you guys, too. All right. Thank you. Uh, meteorologist uh, Dave Murray there. Great to get him on here and uh, some of his expertise on the whole thing. Isn't that great? 
funny question guy. is, and, and he takes everything tongue in cheek, which I appreciate too. Okay. So uh, yeah, I always bring up the the hog fat on the back of the hog, all that stuff. But the big question is, I grew up in Minnesota, which they've already had a couple of snows. Do you have to wear a coat over your costume on Halloween? That's <laughs> that's, that's the, the predictor. Poor kids, I know. We we forgot to ask him what uh, what the weather was going to be like uh, for Halloween. I, I'm sure that's it's Monday. Terrible. We we got our kid that when she was little, uh, her grandmother spent a lot of money on a Tigger costume, and it was seventy five degrees <laughs> that day. The poor kid had sweat rolling, de- you know, like trickling off her nose. It was uh, never fails, never fails. That's awesome. All right, well that does it for this edition of a Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors. And another airing of the show begins uh, what this week or next week? This seven a.m. on Saturdays, Sundays. Sundays. Yeah. Are you sure about that? We're on all weekend. <laughs> we are on, on uh, not only 97.1, but KMOX as well. You'll Good be able stuff. to find us for sure. For <laughs> Mark Cox and Carl Middleman, my name is Bo Matthews. Thank you for listening. Share the show. Share the podcast of Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. Have a great weekend. See you, boys. Get more at 971talk.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 